<laughs> what if we just brought this energy to the whole show? Why, hello there. Time to talk about theater and storytelling and video games. <laughs> we are your MCs for the evening. <laughs> <laughs> and welcome to Backstage Gaming, dramatic takes on your favorite games. I'm Chris. And I'm Dylan. And we're here to talk about games, storytelling, how those two things go together. We've got our own twisted theatrical take because that's just the kind of nasty that we are. Um, <laughs> this sure. is, shockingly, this is not being recorded in the morning like it usually is when I come screaming out the gate with some really weird energy, but here we are. Well, you know, it is it is what it is. It's the Friday night cast. Yeah. When we're recording this, not when it releases. Nice and ribbled. <sighs> hey, Dylan, what are we talking about this week? Tedium. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> What's the T on tedium? Please get a clean take in case I decide that the slurp is too much of a crime for our audience no, to have to listen to. But at this point, it makes me laugh enough that it's probably going to make it in. Okay. Tedium. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not editing a, a moment of that. That's too good. <laughs> well, you know, you'll you'll decide when you actually hear the shit that comes out of my mouth. So what do you mean what do you mean by tedium, Dylan? What are what are what are we looking at? Okay, so the thing that's that incited this conversation that i i swear to god i'm not drunk i just can't say words uh, bringing that the, the thing horny drunk energy to the friday night recording session <laughs> <laughs> i'll never tell <laughs> but <laughs> anyway um the death stranding came out recently hell yeah um, it did it looks weird as hell <laughs> Yeah, uh, uh, reviews came out for that, like, a week ago. Um, maybe even a week and a half. And, yeah, it's, it's, I guess it's interesting because, like, the general consensus, if you can call it that, is that people who have played the game say, man, this game is really boring, but really good. Masterpiece, even. Which is a weird and, thing to say about an, a game. <laughs> yeah, I exactly. And so you have, like, you know half of the camp being like art you know and like you know just <laughs> willing to pra praise the game like despite it and you know wh whatever and then you have the other half that's like man where the reviewers paid off like you can't just say a game's boring and then give it like this you know arbitrary number of a score as we as we like to talk about yeah. <laughs> chris um and so it's uh I, I, I think it's I think it's worth talking about just because like is the amount of tedium so for people who don't know, Death Stranding is a game where you play a UPS man in the post apocalypse. Yeah. The and yeah, the, the entire core concept concept of the game is you are carrying cargo on your back and you need to get from point A to B and most of the most of your obstacles are physical, like, it's just about traversal through the environment with, like, very little else from a first glance. Yeah. Uh, should be should be noted, neither of us have played it, um, but mm -hmm. everything I've, I've read about it, there's elements of, like, 
you need to make sure that your backpack that you're carrying your shit in is balanced, otherwise it might make you lose your footing and fall. And there are elements of... I don't know how the instancing or the online play works technically, but, like, kind of Dark Souls-like, you you will come across, like, signs of other players. But uh, you can actually construct... um, You can construct uh, bridges and ladders and stuff like that, and they will show up in other players' game worlds for them to traverse over to that that basically just makes everyone's lives easier. It's a very communal. Yeah, or at least everyone idea. who happens to like have the right random random number seed to get that piece. It's I, it's it's actually very confusing. Like I, I was watching like someone try to explain it earlier, but that's not what we're talking about tonight. Mm-hmm. This morning, whenever you're listening to this. Um I I guess what we're talking about is is this idea that like that's it you're you're just playing a ups man because there's this very uh you know when we when we talk about it in video games it's a very derogatory statement where it's like a fetch quest walking um, simulator where, yeah walking simulator where like the the entire point is like going from point a to b and with like really nothing else there to supplement the uh the gameplay like the game loop is just going from one place to another with like maybe a set piece happening here and there yeah and so we're going to be looking at like how this use of this kind of very tedious central concept is implemented and what and what that tells us about the kind of story they're trying to tell and what that tells us about what they want this game to be uh yeah we did do an episode in the past about i think we we used the term mundane fantasy yeah which was yeah. we talked about things like if i'm remembering off the top of my head we talked about like stardew valley and animal crossing Mm -hmm. and harvest moon and and even some of the elements of like cooking and gathering and exploration in something like breath of the wild exactly yeah we we were were talking about that like as like a very meditative type of deal i i think the difference in my mind between uh the mundanity of the stuff we talked about on that episode and the uh the tdm of death stranding i i think the big difference is the level of enjoyment. Like, I, I feel like the tedium in Death Stranding is there to be stressful. It's there to be a negative feeling. You have to you have to chart out your route. You have to plan maps. You have to look at the terrain. You have to pack accordingly. If you, if you don't ha- have, like, an extra pair of shoes, for example, you can wear through the soles of your old shoes and rip your feet up in, like, one of the grossest cutscenes I've ever seen in any oh God. video game ever. I wince every time I see it. I don't um, like that at all. It's really bad. Have you seen it? No. I don't know that I uh, want to. But yeah, there, there's stuff like that. Um, you can become over-encumbered, and like the more encumbered you are, the easier it is to fall over while like walking up a hill, for example. And you need to plan accordingly like for your balance just as you are walking. And so that is, you know, that's the tedium. And I, I feel like the game design itself, if it were done in other games, would be very, very boring. And I, th- I think it is also... At least from what people have said, it is boring here as well. <laughs> um, Tim Rogers actually describes he describes Death Stranding as if Breath of the Wild were boring on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing, and it, it's an yeah. interesting nut to crack mm-hmm. because, like, I have played games that are boring. I think everyone has played a game that they were just like, "This is not engaging. This is not fun." Mm-hmm. Uh, 
immediately I'm thinking of, like, I never played that much World of Warcraft, but, like, the construction of a lot of at least the early level stuff in World of Warcraft or any given, really any given MMORPG, it's going to basically boil down to, like, walk to this area, click on dudes until they fall down eight times, walk back, repeat. And for some people, that is engaging. And, like, for some people, the, the kind of... Skinner box, I see my numbers go up incrementally aspect of that is enough, and that's totally cool. But that was very much not being boring on purpose in the way that Death Stranding seems to be. Right, the way the way it sounds. And it's fascinating because it seems like they, they are using this... Walking simulator is a joke, but in its purest form, that is what Death Stranding is. You are simulating walking to the degree that you need to worry about the distribution of weight on your back. Yeah. And that is the the method by which they have chosen to engage with you to tell this story. And for once, we're not going to be able to dive in super deep on the story because, again, neither of us have played it. But it's 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 an interesting... This was, this was a burning thing on my mind. Yeah. Where, like, as I was looking at the reception to this, I felt like, you know, with what... You know, with what platform I have, I just need to get it out there. <laughs> yeah, and so rather, this is going to be less of, like, a retrospective, like a lot of our, our kind of game-focused episodes are, and more of kind of a riddling out uh, in real time for y'all. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess, like, where I'd, where I'd like to start is, um, you were talking about how engagement, like, as a concept with, with games, and I, I think if I can give Death Stranding anything, it's that even if it's not fun... At least from what I, I'm reading and what uh, people are telling me in reviews and stuff, is that the game is engaging. That it has, you know, whether or not that engagement is fun or enjoyable is a separate issue. But <laughs> yeah, there is this. <laughs> there, there is something. You know, when I think of walking simulators, and I think what what a lot of people think of with walking simulators as a concept is, you know you are literally just tilting the joystick in one direction and the game will have events happen around you as you aren't really doing anything. You're not very engaged. You are essentially holding one input through a cutscene that lacks any sense of cinematography or, yeah. you know, like the the benefits of film. Yeah. And I think what Death Stranding is, if nothing else, is it, it, it takes that concept of the game design is just you going from point A to point B and it it turns it into something where like you do have to consider all the 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 risks and benefits of whatever you're carrying with you there are i, I guess like i don't i know there are side quests but I, I don't think that factors into it but like there there are things for you to do like you can you can start a pet project on like i want to get started on a bridge that maybe someone else will finish when when more materials get here um i want to contribute in some way uh in this communal i was gonna say minecraft but i don't know how minecraft servers work well, here, that's uh, honestly can i say that was one of the places that my that's mind where you went going. to yeah because like yeah. i full disclosure i have not touched minecraft since the year of our lord like 2010 <laughs> <laughs> holy shit minecraft is almost 10 years old weird isn't it um but 
when I was reading about Death Stranding and we were as we've been talking about this and I've been thinking about this idea of like tedium, Minecraft is at its heart a tedious game. Like mm-hmm. they dress it up a little bit. They add it like and again, I'm thinking about like OG Minecraft. I don't know what shit has been added in the eight or eight to nine years since I last looked at it. But like the the original form of the game was literally just like wander around this procedurally generated world and like slowly and painstakingly and like rock by rock and log by log gather the resources you need to build something and that fell into this very unique place where like the individual actions were not fun one like exploring had its own kind of fun because it was a randomly generated world and you never know what you're gonna find but, like, gathering logs, gathering rocks, none of that is inherently fun. It's kind of tedious. It's kind of boring. But there's this idea of, like, this payoff of, like, but I'm going to get to, like, I'm going to get to build this house. I'm going to finish my magma castle. I'm going <laughs> to finish this elaborate train system that I'm building between my different locations. And the addition of online stuff means that, like, you've got these other people in the world that, like, you you might wander into. And I, I'm showing my age. I don't really remember how the online worked either. But I knew that <laughs> I know that there were, like, servers that you could join. So, like, as you're exploring, you might come across, like, mm-hmm. oh, someone built a house up on that mountaintop. That's cool. And, like... Time to tear it apart. Or even, like, and oh... contribute to my own house. <laughs> huh. Someone no. started building a wall here. I could finish this and make my own place. And, like... That's kind of what you get in Death Stranding, where, like, none of the individual actions are fun from the sound of it, <laughs> but they're built in such a way that there is a there is sort of a driving force and there's a there's a goal in mind that you have at all times that helps make that tedium feel justified. There, I'm I'm now thinking again of the that what was the fucking article? Was it The Atlantic? It was The Atlantic. Uh, The Atlantic published an an article recently uh, written by one Ian Bogost. Bogost. I don't know how to to say your last name, Ian. I'm sorry. Um, Support us on Patreon and I'll learn. Uh, um, (laughs) But the the headline of this article is, Don't Play the Goose Game. Untitled Goose Game is fun. The problem is all games are also work. And the headline is dumb. The headline is, is bad clickbait nonsense. Yeah. The article gets into this idea of, like, games fit this sort of in- unique place where, like, they are they are media and they are entertainment that requires you to put in labor to experience it. And this is true. I personally don't think that is a bad thing because I think that games, because of that, have built into themselves a, a kind of framework of payoff where it's one thing right. to... It's one thing to watch a movie... And, you know, experience the story and experience the ups and the downs and the, you know, ride the wave of tension and reach the end and think, man, that was a great payoff for that movie. That was a a story well told. I had a good time. It's another thing entirely to experience that that payoff after even on the on the shorter end, eight to ten hours of you being the person actively in the driver's seat. And like, yes, it's work. But it's also fun. Right. 
But I think that th it that's an interesting thing to look at in the context of something like Death Stranding, where the individual elements are not fun. This game, from again, from everything I've read about it, does feel like labor in a way that a lot of games don't. <laughs> and so I'm. it's fascinating that it has enough payoff and has enough inherent, like, engagement and sticking power even through all of that. And, yeah, I guess the the thing that makes or breaks the, the enjoyment of Death Stranding is how much do you as a player, how much are you willing to just, I don't know if you have to farm for materials, but like how much do you have to commit to like little side projects that don't really give you a specific mechanical improvement? Although maybe it does. I, I don't know. I haven't, I don't, I haven't played Death Stranding. Fuck. I'm sorry. I don't know where I was going. No, you're this. good. And then on, on top of that, there's this added, the, the online, the social element of it builds in this interesting kind of, meta commentary on like doing for other people uh the the review on kotaku that i read for death stranding written by heather alexandra she talks about this this kind of sense of like the act of building being kind of straddling the line between selflessness and selfishness because if you build something say you build like a zip line that goes over a particularly dangerous valley full of monsters people can like you know upvote or like that zipline which translates to benefits for you in some way but also there's the the knowledge of like that's going to be there for other people i am doing work so that the people who come after me have an easier time and so they've built this system where you can do something that like for you is nothing you've already gotten past that valley full of monsters but they are incentivizing you to like build public works essentially through this incentive system of like what you get for the upvotes and the resources that you get for building something that other people will use and will appreciate. And that again ties into like it, this game sounds like it's municipal construction, the video game. Yeah, no, it definitely is. Yeah. I, I don't know if there's a whole lot I, I want to add on, onto Death Stranding specifically, but I don't know. It's just, I I guess it's like, it, it kind of bugs me that there's this idea that if a game is tedious and therefore unfun, like, there, a game has to be fun to be considered good. A game can't be, especially if, like, we want the conversation to, you know, to move from our game's art to here are examples of games being art. Yeah. It, it feels to me like, you know, art doesn't necessarily have to be fun. Yeah, there's there's a lot of great films and a lot of great books that do not leave you think feeling good and are not necessarily fun to experience. They are compelling and they are well done in what they are trying to be, but they're not necessarily like, boy, I sure do feel good having read that two chapters of Cormac McCarthy's The Road. <laughs> <laughs> And I think that, if nothing else, I think it's very interesting to see that a game has, like, very intentionally kind of done that. Right. And said, like, I'm going to be very well made and very thoughtful and, like, you are not going to point to anything about me that does not work. 
I'm also not going to be particularly enjoyable moment to moment. Right. Um, it, it makes me think of uh, the pinter pause. Yeah. You know? Like, where... where you... Okay, so, theater theater time. Um, <laughs> there's a playwright. Uh, what's his first Harold name? Pinter. I fucking love Harold it. Pinter. He's so cool. Thank you. Um, yeah, and one of his the things that he was known for are these very long, uncomfortable pauses. Because, you know, if the pause was short, the tension would just go away. Um, and th- those pauses really are uncomfortable because the audience is kind of waiting for that next beat. They're they're waiting to not stew in yeah, and all of, whatever all of his the plays last, are yeah. like about very odd things that are happening right below the surface of like seemingly mundane kind of home lives. Mm-hmm. And so there's there's a lot of dramatic. I- Kind of like the ob- the opposite of dramatic irony, where like both characters on stage that are having the conversation know that something more than what is obvious is going on, but the audience hasn't figured out yet what that is, and so there's a lot of like just kind of letting loaded phrases hang there for a little longer than you usually would. <laughs> I fucking love Harold Pinter; <laughs> he's so cool. Go read the Lover. The Lover's a great play. I think I read that one. That was uh, uh, in college. It's it's real good. I I did yeah. a whole semester's worth. Oh, of, I of, remember now. I did a whole semester's worth of work just on that play uh, for an acting class, and it was a ton of fun. But yeah, there's there is something a little bit like that in there of just like letting this kind of what any other game would relegate to a sub menu be the whole system. Mm-hmm. I'm plumb out of things yeah. to say about this game that I haven't played. Why don't we? Uh, why don't we slide? Yeah, into no, I'm the sorry. I... <laughs> Let's do that. Yeah, no, I, I think this is interesting, and there's there's a couple of games that I'm now thinking about that are are interesting to talk about in mm-hmm. this same. Yeah, I'm I'm trying vein. not to think. I'm trying not to like cross over too much with the the mundane of the episode. I'm trying not to as well. I'm going that. to at least for one, <laughs> but we'll get there after. I'll try not to talk about Breath of the Wild. Oh yeah, play, <laughs> play Bill, play Bill. <laughs> Goodbye. Hello, we're back. We're in the playbill now. This is where we talk about other shit that we have going on creatively and professionally and maybe personally. Hey, Dylan. Hey, Chris. What kind? Okay, I thought... Okay. Sorry, I, I, I led into that like there, I had there was a, really a pinter smooth, pause. Yeah. <laughs> I led into that like I had a really smooth transition, but I don't. What's dude? You remember Macross? Dude, you remember? <laughs> oh, just jumping right in. Uh, dude, you remember Macross is a show where I talk about. I talk with our friend Coop about the show Super Dimensional Fortress Macross and its sequels, associated media, uh, what have you, as well as other nerdy Japanese stuff. Um, and we, we like to talk, we like to examine the show, its characters, um, I, you know, I don't do, like, beat-for-beat actors analyses, but I, I, I take what I know as an actor, and I, I apply it to my conversation, um, and, yeah, uh, the, the shows are interesting to examine, because they always, they are about pop culture and the military, and that's something that i don't see a lot of in a lot of media so it, it's kind of cool to even examine from that angle so if that sounds interesting to you if you want to check that out you can find us on twitter at uh 
sorry, uh, at Dude You Remember. That is D-U-D-E, like, where's my car? Dude, where's my car? Um, and you can also find us on anchor.fm slash Dude You Remember. We are also on Spotify, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. Hey, Dylan. <laughs> What's up? Why is your point of reference for the word dude a really shitty movie from 19 years ago? It's because that's how Coop does it when we end our episodes. Okay, that's less surprising to me. So I picked it up from him, yeah. (laughs) I've been meaning to ask, like, I don't think to ask that in recording, but every time I listen back to this show during (laughs) editing, I'm like, why the fuck is that? (laughs) It's a word. You can just spell it, you don't need to. All right, anyway. Like, dude, where's my car? I don't know what to tell you. Boy, howdy, that movie. Um, anyway, welcome to our Dude You Remember... Dude, dude, where's my car? My car? Dude, you, dude, you remember dude, my you car. Dude, you remember where's my car? Dude, do you remember where my car is? My new hit podcast. Oh, this is so dumb. Uh, <laughs> you should also go listen to our friends at the Unexplored Places. They are an actual play podcast, uh... They just started season two. Episode two of season two came out last week. It's all fucking great. Uh, I'm in it. Dylan's going to be in it some of the time. It is a sci- We're currently doing a sci-fi season using the scum and villainy campaign setting or gameplay setting. Uh, it's great. It's a really fun show. If you like sci-fi, if you like actual play, if you want to support some really talented queer creators, not either of us, but the people who are like actually the brains behind the show, uh, it's a great thing to check out. And you can find them on Twitter at UnexploredCast. That's cast as in the thing on your arm. Uh, <laughs> Fuck you. I'm done. I'm not. <laughs> you can find them on Twitter at UnexploredCast or by going to unexploredcast.libsyn.com. Uh, I want to plug the show The God's Head Incidental, which I am in as the character Tervis. Uh, it's a great audio drama about a city full of gods that everyone hates. I play a really neurotic landlord. It's a great time. I'm really proud of the work I did, and I think that the show, now that episode one is out in the world, is really fucking cool. Uh, I'm really proud of it. So you should check that out. You can find them on Twitter at God's Head Pod or by searching for God's Head Incidental wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you to all of our patrons. As always, this is your fault. All of this. You did this. Um, and we thank you for it because without the support that we have... We'd be losing money doing this, and that the fact that we're not losing money doing this, which we were totally doing for a while and okay with, was is kind of rad. Uh, we appreciate all of you who support us month in and month out, and if you like what we're doing and you want to support us, a good way to do that is by heading to patreon.com slash bsgpod and checking out the different levels and seeing what you want to do. Thank you also to the HP Video Game Podcast Network for having us on the network. It's a podcast network obviously, uh, made up of ga- of a bunch of podcasts looking at games from a bunch of different angles. There's kind of current event and news, uh, current event and news related shows. There's shows looking at the actual development side. There's get shows looking at kind of the act of gaming and like what games people are playing through their backlog. Uh, whatever you like about games, there's surely a show there that will tickle your fancy. So go check them out at HPVG pod network on Twitter. I think that's everything for the playbill. All right, cool. Um, I'm going to throw out real quick mm-hmm. that I just don't want to mix it up with, do you remember Macross? So I just say, dude, like, where's my car? <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So now that we're back from the playbill, I don't know how much longer this is going to go. This might be a, a little bit of a shorter episode, but the, yeah. the last several weeks have been kind of plus-sized hour and more episodes. So we've, It's equivalent to exchange, yeah, really. Yeah, we'll, we'll figure it out. It's a zero-sum game. Um, <laughs> that's not what that phrase means. <laughs> well, you know what? They would have never known if you didn't say anything. <laughs> I don't want people to yell at me for being wrong on the internet. <laughs> um, so there, there are a couple of other games that I've, I've been thinking about as we've been talking about this idea of kind of tedium and tedious game mechanics. Um, one is one that I'm pretty sure I mentioned, at least in passing, in uh, our episode on mundanity. But it, it honestly fits here even better. And it's the game Papers, Please. Papers, yes. Please is an indie game. Uh, we've discussed it before, but the short version is that you play the guy who mans the border checkpoint at a kind of Soviet-coded totalitarian state. Uh, it's a fictional, the fictional country of Arstotska, and all of the imagery is very, like, Soviet block propaganda font and all that kind of stuff. The core gameplay of Papers, Please is examining legal documents. People walk up to your desk and you look at their passport and look at whatever assortment of visas and work visas and ID cards and everything else that is being asked for that day by your government for anyone who gets in, and you have to cross-reference everything and make sure there's not any discrepancies, and then you either approve or deny them, and that's the game. Over and over again. <laughs> And it's so good. <laughs> so paper, what makes paper ple Papers, Please so compelling is, one, they lull you into this. The first couple days are very easy. It's basically just, does the passport, is the passport expired? If no, they can come in. And they slowly build up, like, more and more documents that you need to cross-reference, cross which in turn means more and more chances for you to mess up and get it wrong and let someone in that you shouldn't have or turn someone away that you should have and they couple that with every now and then not every day but every now and then you'll get kind of your morality tugged at and like you're going along and you're you're doing this very tedious and again not particularly fun work of cross-referencing documents <laughs> and then a woman comes through and says, the man behind me is bringing me into this country. I'm frightened. Please don't let him in. And her documents are all good, so you let her in, and the man behind her comes in, and his documents are all good, but you can still hit that deny button. But if you do that, it's a strike, and you won't get paid for that, uh, that person. And at the end of the day, you need to allocate the money that you've made to food and heat and water and if you don't have enough for that, your family starts to get sick. And it's Yeah, every time you describe Papers, Please to me, it sounds like a fucking nightmare. It's, in, it's incredible. It is, it's such a good example of, like, it's incredibly engaging. On top of being really quite dull, 
Like the moment to moment mm-hmm. action is so dull, but the stakes of it and the way that they build this sense of like this person that you're controlling, your avatar in this game world has a family that they are trying to support. And also these people that you're judging whether or not they get to come in have lives. You know, they don't, they're, they're pixels on a screen, but like, you know, when, when the woman comes through and she's like, oh, I'm so glad we finally got to the front of the line. My husband is just behind me and her paperwork's all in order and her husband's passport is expired and you have to decide what to do. It's so cool. Papers, Please is an incredible game and it's a great example of how, like, just like what we were talking about Death Stranding. It's a game that is hugely engaging and, like, I haven't touched it in years, but I remember all of this so vividly because it stuck with me even though the moment-to-moment things that you're doing most of the time are not fun, are literally work, literally what some people do for their jobs. Yeah, but, like, it's it's all based around, like, this... The entire purpose of this tedium is empathy, not just for, you know, the people in this position in real life, but also empathy for the people who might have gotten rejected by the careless mistake of someone who has to, you, you know, has to do this juggling act of of labor, basically. Yeah, and it, it's it's a great way of kind of like taking a simultaneously very wide and very close look at this thing that does happen in the world and is a lot of people's lives and dissecting that and allowing it to be kind of thought about, you know, not the most critically. It's still a game, but drawing the attention of people who might otherwise not have any cause to think about this thing to it. Exactly, yeah. God, paper pl- Papers, uh, Please is fucking good. There was a game that I was trying to find the title of, and I, I still haven't found it, and it's going to drive me insane. What is it? But if anyone has heard of this game, please let me know and remind me so I can actually like hunt it down and play it. But I, I remember uh, YouTuber Super Bunny Hop did a review of this one game where there is a segment he goes into detail about where you are playing a man at work um on one screen like it, it it's like a split screen on one side you are a man at work doing something very dangerous i think you're either working with a power saw or you're you're cutting meat or you know something that you need your fullest attention to do and on the other half of the screen you are daydreaming and playing a fantasy adventure game oh my god and that's so cool that's and incredible. like I'm, I'm currently going through his channel right now trying to find it. I'm but I I can't find it. I'm reminded also there's a, there's another game kind of in the in the ballpark of papers please called Oh, is it called My Cart Life? Oh, actually I just found the bunny hop video and it's titled Let's Discuss Indie Games About Work. First one, Cart Life. Yep. Second, Papers Please, and third is I get this call every day. Yeah, Cart Life is is another game. In in Cart Life, you take on the role of a man newly arrived in a new country who doesn't speak the language and opens a food cart. And you have to manage... It's, you know, essentially kind of Lemonade Tycoon-esque, except also you need to figure out where best to place your cart in this city that you are brand new to and figure out 
Where do you go to get food that you can afford at the end of the day when you don't speak much of the language and you only have your day's earnings? And, like, there's a lot of interesting games that kind of take this tack of, like, where another game would abstract a lot of these mechanics, they make them kind of, again, this, this, I didn't realize this when I started talking about Cart Life, but it's much the same way that Death Stranding is bringing all of these, like, balancing mechanics to the forefront, where another game would just be like, it's in your inventory, it's fine. Cart Life is doing the same thing, where, like, where another game would be like, you made this much money, and then, like, you know, subtract X amount for materials. Cart Life, it's like, no, you have to, like, figure out where that shit's going to come from. You have to figure that out, otherwise the government's gonna get you. Yeah. Like, mm mm-hmm. And so I think that I there's a whole world of games that are, like, playing in this space of, let's keep it engaging, but let's cut a little bit of the fun out and see what we yeah. get from that. And I like think that's that really Like, that TDM cool. is a very intentional storytelling device. Yeah, and incredibly effective when done well. Like, like I said, I have not played Papers, Please in probably close to five or six years at this point, and I still... You're still thinking about Think it, about those sections... I was going to mention, like, grinding as a concept in um, many RPGs. Because, like, I know I know, I talked about earlier how that how that's something meditative. But I think, you know, like, so many people are like, oh, you have to grind to play the game. Grinding is the game, the, the tedium and everything. And as someone who, like, kind of does a little bit of both, um, I guess it depends on the game. I think, you know, we were talking about it earlier, there's that anticipation of a payoff yeah um we're like and i I feel like the the thing about tedium is like you have to have an end goal in mind when when i'm level grinding i i have like a set amount of money or something that i want to get and that gives me something to shoot for and so when i end a play session i i know how much longer i have to wait i i know this is switching gears no you're good uh, a little bit but i you know like this is another approach to what i had planned before we started the episode and I think I think there's something I think there's something to that. I, I don't know where exactly where exactly something like Death Stranding would fall on that, but I feel like there are ways to control the tedium or to control the players basically to, to raise the, the players tolerance for the tedium. Yeah. Where it where it kind of grabs their attention because they know they can pace themselves, basically. Yeah. I'm and there's a lot of ways that games kind of build in those off-ramps to, like, the game action part of it. Like, thinking about, like you were saying about, like, you know, if you're if you're playing a Final Fantasy game and you're trying to grind up, it's typically, like, once I have enough money to afford X equipment, or once I hit whatever level, then I'll move forward mm-hmm. again, because then I'll feel like it's time. There's those sort of uh, self-imposed goals and then there's also things that like game designers themselves will build in like i'm i'm thinking of uh and this is a little bit of a tangent but one of my favorite examples of like a piece of game design that presented one way was awful and presented another way people loved uh when world of warcraft first came out uh it had a system whereby after playing for a certain amount of time your character would become I don't remember what language they use, but I'm just going to say they would become exhausted. Okay. And I think it was it was either like four hours straight or six hours straight. But if you were if you were logged on for that amount of time, your your character would become exhausted, and it would cut the amount of experience you gained by a third. 
And it was their okay. way of wow. trying to incentivize you not marathoning it forever and getting burnt out, but instead playing for a session and then getting off and then coming back after a certain amount of time to play more. Yeah, yeah. And people hated this. They were like, the oh, I remember this like, now. The okay. game's policing the way I want to play it. The game's like, this is dumb. And so what Blizzard did is that they took that same mechanic. They did not change a single thing numerically. All they did was they set that previous, like, two-thirds, like, one-third cutoff experience. Now that's the base experience. And now when you log in after having been offline for a prerequisite amount of time, you get a 50% boost to the experience gained for that four hours or six hours or whatever. No changes mechanically. The numbers stayed exactly the same, but the way it was presented, now rather than being like a punishment for spending too long on your grind, it was an incentive to come back every day and grind to get that, you know, quote-unquote bonus experience. And say what you will about Blizzard, Lord knows I've said a lot of things about Blizzard in the last month. Oh, there's a lot to say, about, lot Blizzard to say about Blizzard nowadays. Uh, boy, howdy, I hope you enjoy being in bed with <laughs> Winnie the Pooh. Um, but... That's smart design. It's manipulative. It's kind of Skinnerboxian. It's a little bit shitty, but it is very smart. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That I was, that was had... a tangent. <laughs> but No, I know, I know. Um, ah, man, I thought I had so much to say about this, like, all week, and then I'm here recording, and I can't remember any yeah, of it. It's also, it's, it's an interesting thing, because we've never really done an episode on a game that neither of us have played before. Yeah. And yeah. I think that we've rung... About as much out of it as we can now. It'll it, it'll be interesting. I don't know if you're planning on playing Death Stranding. Yeah, uh, probably. I'm I'm getting a little bit more seasonal work next month, so I'll probably get it around then. Yeah, I might see if my computer can handle it, and if so, I'll I'll give it a try on PC. Right. Uh, but once one or both of us has played it, we should take another another look at the, look at it and do sort of a, a post mortem because I think uh, that yeah yeah. It'll be interesting to see how much of what we've been kind of hypothesizing in this episode turns out to be accurate. Mm. Oh, fuck. I, I remember something that I want to talk about, but it's not, like, it's not super uh, long. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I guess, I like, talking about uh, Death Stranding and the way it, it tries to kind of unify these players that have never met before, that makes me think of two games. Uh, the first one is Nier Automata, but I think the... The, the the second one and probably more direct comparison to be made is uh journey oh um, yeah. i don't i don't think journey is necessarily tedious i guess it can be tedious especially if you don't uh upgrade your scarf that allows you to fly for people who don't know at home journey um, you are a, a person in a cloak and you're trying to get to the top you. of a mountain through a desert yeah and you can fly and you thanks are to your magic you get paired scarf. You get paired randomly uh, with a stranger who shares your journey, and sometimes that stranger will swap out for another stranger. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's a fun experience. It's like two hours, and Some yeah, of the I, best I feel music like music in a game in the last couple decades. Yeah, the the thing that makes Journey work for me, at least, is like even when the game is at its slowest, the fact that you are sharing that experience or. You know, if it's an AI, like the illusion that you are sharing that experience with another player makes it all the more engaging. Like, uh, the, the slowest part of Journey is, like, near the very end when you're on, you're, 
you're not even on the mountaintop. You are on a mountaintop looking at the mountain that you still have to reach. Yeah. And your ability to fly has been taken away from you. And you are moving slowly, fighting against a blizzard, and your movement slows and slows and slows until you come to a complete stop. Yeah, and there, and there's this incredible element to Journey of, like, being able to help a stranger in a very direct way. Yeah. Because, like, once you've beaten the game, you can start again, and you still have, like, the full length of scarf that you have collected. Uh, you might even have, like, the white robe if you've collected all of the scarf, which lets you fly, if not indefinitely, at least a lot more. I'm not sure if the scarf length is true, although maybe they added that I in the PS4 version. I but I don't remember. Like, I played the PS3 version a lot, and I think I played the PS4 version once or twice, so I might be misremembering. I, I also very well could be. But, like, the fact that you start again once you have completed your journey, but now you know what to do and so maybe you'll get paired with someone who's on their first try and so you can help this person along their path in a way that is like really cool and in a way yeah. that much much more indirectly you end up doing in death stranding when you build a bridge or you you plant a zip line or you start a road somewhere in the the nuclear wilderness <laughs> You know, that's the weird thing. I don't even think it's a nuke. It's like the weird, like we it's accidentally a opened nuke. a gate yeah. to the ghost underworld internet. Yeah. <laughs> it's dangerous out there. Take this baby. <laughs> that's not um, it, an exaggeration from what I yeah, understand I was about, to say, about this if game. If you haven't seen a clip of Death Stranding, somehow, <laughs> I don't know if I should tell you to look it up, but, uh, you know, it's it's certainly something. I feel like that's a pretty good uh, good off-ramp for us yeah. from this. Uh, I hope that you, the audience, didn't find this too tedious. <laughs> um, but in all honesty, I really hope you enjoyed listening. This was a fun discussion to have. This was kind of a, a little more speculative than our usual yeah. affair. But I, I had fun trying the to figure out why this might we, work. The only other episode we really did like this was uh, the Kingdom Hearts one. Yeah, because that game hadn't come out yet. Yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe when I hashtag BSG pod this week, I'll talk about my thoughts on that episode now that I have played and beaten Kingdom Hearts Ooh, 3. Maybe. Uh, Ooh. We should definitely come back to this once one or both of us has played some Death Stranding so we can, we mm -hmm. can take another pass at it and see how right or very wrong we were. Um, but until then, and until next week, thank you, audience. For joining us again uh this has been backstage gaming if you like what we do and you want to hear more of it you can check us out at bsgpod.com that's our website it's got our contact info it's got a form where you want to where you can connect with us uh you can also find us wherever you get your podcasts on itunes on the apple podcast service on spotify on stitcher on the google play store your podcatcher of choice and if you like what we're doing consider leaving a rating, leaving a review. Uh, anything that you do like that really helps us to reach more people, and that's the coolest thing we could ask for. So thank you. And also feel free to just tell your friends about us. Tell your tell your family. Tell your amber baby that keeps the ghosts away. They will they need podcasts, too. <sighs> um, yeah, if you want to <laughs> talk to us on 
Don't know how to follow that up. Uh, if you want to follow, if you want to hit us up on social media, you can check us out on uh, Facebook, on Twitter. Our handle is at BSG underscore cast. And, you know, look up our videos on YouTube. Yeah, if you want to talk to us or, you know, talk about us, use the hashtag BSG pod. Also, huge, huge thanks to our friend Brennan French for the key art he provided us. If you like that and you want to check out the rest of his stuff, you can find him on his Squarespace at brennan-french.squarespace.com. That is B-R-E-N-N-E-N-French, as in French people, dot squarespace.com. Hyphen <laughs> French, as in who Frenched my car. Uh. <laughs> You should also check out BioQuery. He is the musician and composer and producer behind our theme song, Dot Sound Radio Volume 1 Instrumentality. You can find him by searching for BioQuery on Spotify, that's B-I-O-Q-U-E-R-Y, or by going to his SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash BioQuery. Thank you also, once again, to the HP Video Game Podcast Network for having us on the network. If you like video games and you like podcasts, which... If you don't like either of these, I really don't know why you've sat through the last 45 minutes. Uh, go check them out on Twitter <laughs> at HPVG Pod Network and give one of the shows that they're constantly retweeting a follow and a listen. Uh, thank you again to our patrons. Patreon.com slash BSG Pod is the place where you can decide to support us in that way. It means the world to us to have the support that we did and, or that we do that's still happening. Uh, and once again, I'd like to just remind you that this is all your fault. Uh, yeah, that's the energy I want to leave this episode with. I've decided. You know, I might sound like I'm tired, but that's because the Death Stranding discourse has left me so tired. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, friends. <laughs> Goodbye.